God says, don't say that, Pastor Ronna, because whenever you say that, it's like a jinx or something. But it's not going to be a jinx today. Um, we're going to go with it. I've been up since 4.30, um, not working on this message, but rolling around in the bed. You ever done that? Thinking, I'm going to go back to sleep in a minute. I'm going to go back to sleep in a minute. And then Pastor's uh, alarm went off at 6, and I said, well, there you have it. So this morning I want to talk about it's only a matter of time. Look at your neighbor and say, it's only a matter of time. That's wonderful. Isn't it wonderful? It's only a matter of time for what you're believing for from God. Sometimes it doesn't look the way that you want it to look. Uh, you know, when God brings you your promise, can I get an amen? It's not dressed exactly what you thought it would be dressed or look like, but God always knows better, right? I remember when I was at Lee, and Pastor Hank and I were divorced the, the first year. Some of you that have been with me a long time have heard about this. I heard that he was dating a wonderful Baptist girl named Elaine. I mean, who couldn't get better than a good Baptist girl named Elaine, right? So I began to pray and agree um, with all of my friends that Hank Davis would marry Elaine Thompson. Be only a matter of time. Because if Hank married Elaine, then it would free me up uh, to do whatever I want to do. Look at your neighbor and say, that is very sad. It's pitiful. But the beautiful thing about it is that God often answers your prayer in his time. Everyone's saying his time in his way. So it's only a matter of time. But in the end of the day, God exceeds our expectations. And I'm thankful every day, I thank God, that he did not answer that crazy prayer of a broken-hearted freshman at Lee University. And Matt wants you to give the Lord a hand clap for that. So go ahead, people. And there, there you go. So it's only a matter of time. It's great to have Robbie Glover and Dad here. We're not talking, calling you Jerry. Uh, we're calling you Dad. Is that okay? And we love them. Robbie's been such a blessing. And we're working on an Israel, Israel, an Israel trip for 2015. Who would love to go to Israel? Who would like to have faith to go to Israel? Well, we are working on one. We'd worked on one for January. We pulled off of it when new baby came along. It's going to come in January. Um, but uh, we are looking at that, looking at a date. So as soon as we, we were going to try to get it a year in advance and a payment thing where you can work it out. Would it not be great? The Vernons are helping us with this. Would it not be great to go to Israel? In fact, Ron and Sonia Merkel have already signed up to go with us. Would it not be great to go to Israel with people that you love doing church with? And um, it'll be an awesome time. Isaiah 40, I'm going to start in verse 27 and then go on down and read a couple of these very famous verses you will know well. I'll end here, but I'm actually going to go and kind of work through Isaiah 40, the chapter. Isaiah 40 and 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? And my just claim is passed over by my God. That means, why do you say that my case, everyone say my case, is past relief? He said, have you not known, have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he never faints, he never grows weary. You never have to search for his understanding. He gives power to the weak, and he gives to those who have no might. He increases. Everyone say increases. Increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, though we've not seen it, have we? And the young men shall utterly fall. But those who what? Wait on the Lord shall renew their... They shall mount up with wings like... They shall run and not be... They shall walk and not and not faint. Father, in the name of Jesus, we welcome your Holy Spirit into this word. I thank you, sir. I trust you. 
let me take out what is not relevant or not needed for this time period, but speak to the ears of your people and let me obey you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said... Amen. This uh, chapter, Isaiah 40, is such a powerful, powerful chapter. And Isaiah comes to speak to people. We quote that end, but we don't always, Wendy, go to the beginning to see what God was saying, Robbie. We don't see that God was speaking to a people who had forgotten their own story. Have you ever forgotten your own story? Have you ever forgotten for a moment who you are in God? I mean, out in the world, or when we were all chasing our own personal fantasies, we often forgot. But these are people of God. Everyone say, people of God. And they have lost their identity in who they are, and they forgot their story. Now, I was raised by a daddy who never wanted to forget his story. Um, my dad, when he retired from ministry, was an official with the Church of God, the Church of God here in Cleveland, Tennessee. And um, he had traveled all over the world. Um, he had been blessed during that time period into many nations of the earth, spoken to thousands in the United States and was over hundreds and hundreds of pastors. We were very blessed as middle-class people to live in parsonages that belonged to the Church of God, to fly from place to place, to stay in hotel suites at national conventions, etc. I'm telling you this for a reason. My daddy often got the highest vote possible when he was reelected to every post. So you would think that maybe a man like that might become proud or might forget where he came from. But I tell you the secret that might be your secret and my secret today. Every summer when we were traveling across the United States in a station wagon, anybody remember the old station wagon glory days? Usually with no air conditioning. And what you young little whippersnappers can't understand, we didn't use car seats back in that day. In fact, if you were young you, and you had a floorboard and you had a seat, come on somebody, and then you had a, a windshield and you had three children, one child would would lay in the window. Come on, somebody. Then one child would lay on the seat. And then one child, whoever was the hump child, got the hump, you know, on the floor. And that's the way you would travel. It was a place of freedom, people. An open road, no seat belts, probably a lot of deaths. But at any rate, it was just a lot of fun. And the, the bad thing about it was, though, if daddy ever slammed on his brakes, there was a war that would break out amongst the children. Because the top child, you know where I'm going with this, would come down on the second child. And then those two children would roll over on the third child. And usually, for some reason, the middle child, that would be me, people, would get the hump on the floor. And down would come Sissy, and down would come Bubba. It was fun times. But one of the greatest times that would silence us from our fighting, would silence us from whatever we were into in the car, was when we would pass through Hattiesburg, back to Pedal, to Runnerstown, Mississippi. Trust me, none of y'all been there. And uh, you'd get off this road, and all of a sudden, we'd hear the road change. We'd be off the paved road, and we'd be down on a dirt road road and as we would go down that dirt road we'd feel the gravel and every one of us would sit up and we knew what was going to happen nobody had to say tell us the story because Cecil that's my daddy would begin to tell the story the story would begin like as we drove down that road right over here to the right is where I lived with my five siblings and my mom and my dad and our cousin Bert and then all my daddy's brothers had initials my daddy got an upgrade he got a full name Cecil but B-G-A-G-S all of them we all lived in that house and uh, we were so poor 
that my mother had to work in the chicken farms and they would show us this house and how his daddy raised a farm. Then later they moved to a little bigger house and then we would go on down past another place. And that story always stayed with daddy. And if you're around him long enough, he'll tell you that story and he'll tell you the story about his mama's hands who got hurt working in the chicken farms to put my daddy through school. It's important to remember your story. When you forget that kept my daddy base. You know, people say, well, forget where you came from. I don't think anybody should forget where they came from. I think everybody should remember the hard places. Come on, the desert places. Because you see, seasons change. Everyone say, it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time, we'll end there in a moment, that your season will change. And you won't be in the valley. You won't be in that hard place in your marriage. You won't be there where money is so tight, you're squeaking. Come on, somebody. You won't be there where you cry yourself to sleep. You won't be there where you don't know what tomorrow is bringing. Your season will change. That spouse will get saved if God has his will. That financial situation will pick up. You will live in a better home. It's only a matter of time that restoration will come in that troubled relationship. But if you and I don't hold on to our story, if I don't remember the grief, that's why David often said, I love the Lord because he heard my cry. He picked me up out of a horrible pit and put my feet on a safe place. Why? Because he wanted to remember while he was living in the palace it was not too long before that he was running from Saul in the caves let me tell you something when the season changes everyone say the season changes if you can remember who you used to be and what you went through not as a point of remembering evil or wicked but hard times pressed times then in your heart you'll always hold the comfort for someone else passing through that time but if you and I forget not only do we forget the way back home but we forget that God called us to comfort other people give God a hand clap of praise for that this morning don't forget who you are don't forget your story but these people had forgotten and Isaiah opens up and Isaiah 40 is sort of like Isaiah 6 where the um, Isaiah the prophet says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And in that moment, Isaiah begins to hear a conversation between the heavenly council. Now, wouldn't you love to hear a conversation between the Father and the Son and the Spirit? I would love when we traveled to hear my mom and dad discuss things. Did you ever act like you were asleep, but you were listening to every word your mom and daddy said? And I never forgot that. And I always was careful what I said in the car with my babies. Come on, somebody. But I love to hear them talking about the things of God. I love to hear them discussing. I don't even know who they were talking about, but situations because they were my godly mother and my godly father, whom I know many of us did not have, but we can change that by becoming godly mothers and fathers. Can I get an amen in this room? But can you imagine being like Isaiah and hearing the counsel of the Godhead speak about his people and what God speaks about them, we take as relevant and straight to our heart today that it is about us as well. We take it because God's word speaks to us, the Bible said. And the heavenly council is speaking to a people who are 
were living in Babylon, but they're headed back home. Someone say they're headed back home. And God is trying to speak to them. And as Isaiah is hearing what the Godhead is saying in that great council room of heaven, he first hears, I love this, speak to my people, speak comfort, speak tenderly to my people. Don't you love it? That God does not say to the Son or to the Holy Spirit, go down there and knock Pastor Todd Haggard over the head. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? In fact, the word says, tell her. Everyone say, tell her. He's speaking of a people. He's not speaking of a woman, of a people that her sad days are gone. Tell her that her warfare has ended. I'm telling you, it's only a matter of time. If you're in warfare right now, I can testify today that the season will change and you will come into a season of plenty and a season of victory. Don't give up if you're going through hell. Come on, keep on going. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise because the warfare will end. I love that, that God says, tell my, tell my church. If you're in a sad day, your sad days are soon to be gone. Your warfare is soon to be ended. And he goes on to say, because your sins are pardoned. He says, cry unto her. I love that. He's comforting, but he doesn't want whispering. You know, if I'm thinking of coming, oh my goodness, how are you? Oh, bless you. But no, he's saying, speak it in a loud voice. Comfort my people with the sound of strength. Now, Christine often tries to explain to people as I go through drive throughs she's just as a communicator as I am, so it's just ridiculous, the two of us in one vehicle. But she'll often lean up and say, she's just talking loud because she talks loud to everyone. And, and after we drive through, I look at her, I say, Christine, it is proper. If you mumble, I go, I want to talk. I said, people can't understand you. Anyone get tired of teenagers mumbling? Come on, someone or anybody. I said, it is proper. In fact, Mike Murdoch says, when you shake, who's one of my business mentors, when you shake someone's hand, you look them in the eye, even if you're 12. That's what I tell. And you say, my name is Christine Davis. It is so nice to meet you today because that is a statement of, you know what? I'm present. I'm here in the moment. What God wants these people to know, I'm present. I'm here in the moment. I'm not going to whisper. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to whisper comfort to you. I'm going to shout it aloud. So when Isaiah is hearing the Godhead in the council room speaking, he hears him say, shout it loud. And one voice of the, it's written in three voices, says, what shall I shout? Shout that her sad days are over. Her warfare has ended. Her sins are pardoned. Which means these people have been given a promise. And it's only a matter of time that they're going to the next best place that God has for them. Someone say the next best place. They're going to the next best place that God has for them, which is back home to Jerusalem. But guess what? You and I are going to the next best place that God has for us. Financially, come on someone. Emotionally, come on someone. Professionally, come on someone. We are the children of God. We are not the children of a poor man. We are not the children of a scavenger. We are children of the creator of the ends of the earth. And my earthly daddy would get me a pair of shoes if I need it. Right now my daddy gives me something every time I go there. Here's two frozen enchiladas. I'm like, daddy, I don't want those. Yes, you do. Hank wants them. Give them to Hank. So he gives me something because he's always, when I take care of my mama, he wants to send me with something. Well, I want to tell you something. Cecil Ray Giles is almost a saint to me, but he is so beneath and below the very creator, my one that we call Abba Father. Your Abba Father is the creator of the ends of the earth and he's not growing weary it's only a matter of time look at your neighbor and say it's only the matter of time 
And he says, refreshing is coming. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. I'm just moving through these verses. We could break everyone down, but for time, I got to get a nap this afternoon before I try to transfer that room. Anybody else? So we just got to keep peeling the potatoes, as my daddy would say. Psalms 10 and 7 says, surely you will listen to their cries and comfort them, for Lord, you know the hopes of the helpless. I love that. So God is getting their attention. He's getting our attention. When he says the glory shall be revealed, he goes on to say, I'm trying to build up courage in you. I'm trying to build up resolution in you, Jackie. I'm trying to say, like Sarah Basilius, whatever her name is, I want to see you be brave. Every time I hear that song on secular radio, I think God wrote that song. Come on, somebody. He wants us to rise up with courage. Everyone say courage. And so he's saying, I'm going to make the crooked places straight before you. What does that mean for you and I? It means whatever's crooked that needs to be straight to get us to the next place, God's going to straighten it out. God's going to go. You see the the very physical road, Matt Decker, from Babylon to Jerusalem was full of hills and mountains and curves and turves and all these kind of things. And they're looking at the physical journey and God's saying, don't worry about that. I'm going to straighten the crooked places before you. I'm going to give you the keys, as Jesus says, to the kingdom. I'm going to open doors that no man can shut, and I'm going to shut doors that you won't go through because it's not in your best interest. Can I hear an amen? So as God says, the glory shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it. Now, the word says, and in, in, in the Bible it says that no word of the Lord shall return void to him. And I want to tell you that this came true before we segue into the next place. In Psalms 126, it is written about these people. It says, when the Lord restored his exiles to Jerusalem, because he's just said in Isaiah 40 that all flesh are going to see that, meaning you can are going to see you blessed. Can I get an amen? Meaning your neighbors, oh, can I get an amen, are going to see you blessed. Meaning that your folks that love you are going to rejoice when that prodigal child is saved and back home or that grandchild, they are going to rejoice. Can you say amen? It says, all flesh. She said, when the Lord restored us, we were just like men who dreamed. It was like a dream. It was so awesome. We were filled with laughter. We sang for joy. And all the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. You see, God fulfilled his word right there. Because God's word will never fail. Another verse, Psalms 40 and 8. Grass withers, flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Someone say forever. This morning I peeped out and looked at Pastor Hank's beautiful garden, and oh my goodness, I want you all to come see it because it's just now, it's just evolving every day, you know, and, and he always calls me, but he was gone before I got up this morning, so I stood out there, and I looked at all those beautiful flowers that he's planted through the years. He's worked so hard, and it's so, right now, I mean, it's just all the, the trees are just, everything's blooming, and I thought, but the word says that that's going to wither. The grass is going to wither. The flowers are going to fade. That man will die because God is saying, but my word, someone say his word, will stand forever. There's moments you don't want his word to stand forever when his word says something you don't want. Come on, somebody. When his word says 
to stay faithful maybe in, in a job. When his word says stay faithful, maybe in a relationship. When his word says to do that, you see, we have to depend on the word of God and the assurance that comes from that word because God is saying, my word is higher than everything. All men will die. California Chrome didn't win yesterday, but he's going to die. I mean, eventually he's going to die. He's going to go the way that horses go. You know, the banker's going to die. The doctor's going to die. My spiritual mother outside of my own mom, Dr. Pickett, died. I stood at her home going. I wept with hundreds of ministers. I longed for one more minute to speak with her, but she went on to heaven. But God says, I don't want a rival with my people for hope or confidence. I don't want you putting your confidence in man-made idols or people. I want you to be convinced that I am the Lord. I'm the creator of the ends of the earth. I never grow weary. I never faint. I never do any of the things. You never have to search for my understanding. Someone give him a praise and we'll get there in a moment to where we want to be. We got to be convinced that the word of the Lord can do that. That flesh cannot. I told my sisters and my friends at Hope a few weeks ago that one of the passages that's been in my mind lately is when the father of the demon-possessed boy, the disciples couldn't cast out the demon and he came to Jesus and, uh, and, and Jesus said, and, and I'll paraphrase in my own words, do you believe? And he said, yes, I believe, but help my unbelief. I love that. And I love that Jesus reached down and cast the devil out because of the honesty of man. Sometimes we think the creator of the ends of the earth, our Abba Father, who is heavenly, is not going to do something for us because we have a little bit of unbelief. But what he wants is honesty about that unbelief. What he wants is your heart laid bare before him, if not before anyone else, but before the Lord. Most of that kind of that murmuring I do in my mind. Come on, somebody. In my mind, I'll say, Lord, help me with my unbelief regarding believing for greater things and more powerful things because these people were judging God by their circumstances. They were judging God by their experience. Every unanswered prayer was lifting its ugly head, saying, you got yourself in Babylon. You got yourself here. Let me tell you something. One thing God wanted them to know, whatever gets you into Babylon, write down what got you in there. The biggest messes in my life, I am not going to tell this morning. They're under the blood, but I don't want to recall them, but I do recall the steps that made me almost lose everything I love. Come on, someone. The steps I took into wrong relationships. The steps I took into my own addiction. We all have whatever that is. The steps, the things I knew I was headed down. I almost lost everything. Let me tell you something. The way out of Babylon, the way out of that is to remember. But these people were weighed down with what they were living in. Experience, circumstances that say, yes, God created the ends of the earth. I mean, let's just get real here. God created the ends of the earth, but you're here in Babylon. You're here with no money in your account. You're here leading worship every Sunday. I've just I've come back to that because I led worship for years. And this has not worked out right in your life. Like Pastor Hank, when he preached for three years, believing for me to come back to him, watching God restore families, but his family wasn't restored. Anybody else ever been there? You ever been doing the right thing but felt like the right thing wasn't coming to you? And then you ventured off and did the wrong thing, but then you found out that was not the way to go. Can I get an Amen. Because it led into destruction. It led into you and I waking up and thinking, who, who am I? I never intended to be here. I never intended to do this. Because deception comes one step at a time. It comes and it draws us in, if I may say, into a lifestyle we never wanted.
But we don't, if we don't accept it and realize it at every step and take the light of God and these people, God is trying to get their attention. So he says, you know what? The Lord shall come with a strong hand. I'm the creator of the ends of the earth. And he asks rhetorical questions. Everyone say rhetorical. Rhetorical questions means when you ask a question for impact. When you ask a question, kind of like when your mama asked you something, knowing the answer already, come on, somebody. That was rhetorical. Come on, someone. I mean, your mama said, did you go over there? Your mama already knew. I love the statement that says, if your mom asks you a question, she already knows the answer. You better tell it right. Come on, mothers, give God a hand. You know I'm right about this. Come on, mothers, put your hands together. There you go. There, so he's asking some rhetorical questions. Are the gods of Babylon greater than me? I know that your circumstances are telling you, people of God, is what God would say to us this morning, what he was saying to the people and saying to us through this passage. I know things you've gone through and the gods of this world seem so much more powerful. The gods of mammon, the gods of entertainment. I mean, it seems like people in entertainment can do everything and just get away with it. God of Hollywood, God of addiction, all these gods. And in Babylon, they had their gods and we are in our own earthly Babylon right now. And those gods, and God said, are any of them greater than me? And that's when God begins to do that famous comparison. The Godhead begin to talk about the difference between them and a wannabe God, a God made by hands. A wannabe God, I have a message called get out of my seat. I'm not going there, don't worry. Go drag Marissa, Matthew, wherever she is. No, we're not going to do that. It's an illustrated message. But in that, I, talk, I call those things a wannabe God. Depression, unanswered prayer insecurity, addiction, anxiety, your past, your regrets. Those are the things that want to be. Everyone say want to be. They are not God. As this morning it said, everything shall bow in your presence. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is where they put the God of the, I believe it was the Philistines, Dagon maybe, next to the Ark of the Covenant, and it kept falling down next to the Ark of the Covenant. They'd set it back up. Because they had taken the ark up until they wanted to get rid of it. And all, the, and all the people got struck down with a horrible thing we won't mention right now. But anyway, that false God kept dropping down. That's the way it should be. Every false God in our life, the God of pleasure, the God of me, the God of I want what I want when I want it. I don't care, God, that your path is different than me. I want it the way I want it. I don't care that your word is declaring something different. You see, but God says, who will you liken to me? Who will will you compare me to? Compare me to the God of pleasure. See if the God of pleasure can call the lightning forth and it reports and says, here we are. See if your God of addiction can hold the oceans in his hand. He cannot. Someone say he cannot. See if your God of worry can weigh the mountains in his hand. You see, Isaiah 40 said that God weighs the mountains in his hand. I can only weigh this little bit in my hand, but God weighs the mountains in his hand. In fact, God has the power that he could just literally speak to a mountain and the biggest, tallest, most magnificent mountain in the universe would have to uproot and move itself. Can you imagine if Everest just showed up right across the street? Wouldn't that be cool? It wouldn't be cool for the people living there. It wouldn't be cool for the people in Mount Everest. But that's 
the creator, that's your God, that's your Abba Daddy. He is not a poor man. He is not a weak man. He is not without power. In fact, the Bible says in Psalms, oh Lord, two things have I heard. You are power and you are loving. If he was just loving, that might be enough. But what is love without power? And what is power without love? Have you ever seen X-Men? You'll see some power without love. Come on. You see, he could just start moving things like Magneto or whatever his name is. He just start moving things. Out of his anger, if he didn't like Josh Castleberry, he could just take this church and whoop, pop right on top of him because he has power. If he was just loving, he could love us, but what could he do for us? But to know that he's got love and he's got power puts him in a class all by himself. Somebody give him a shout of praise. Magnificent poem is written in Isaiah 50 to address these concerns of these exiles. And God says, can your gods measure the water in the hand? Can your God do all of this? Josh, if you will come help me as I've got a little bit more to go. But if you, if you have a, the guitar, if you'll come play that or keyboard, whichever one you want to do. He says, do I need instruction? Familiar passage that Pastor Hank has preached so much on, but stay with me. You see, Babylon is looming in the distance. And so God goes after their gods. You see, when everything looms and looms means just over us like a dark shadow, whether it's finances, whatever it is, people, fill in the own blanks. Only God can fill it in for you. Whatever it is. Whenever it looms over us, God gets angry. And he says, you know what? I could drop that thing like the dust in a bucket. Can someone say amen? He says, to whom will you compare me? What image might resemble me? Can I be compared to an idol you've built with your own hands? Because in Babylon, they built their idols and put them up. Reminds me when Christine was about two and a half. One of my favorite stories were at Southeastern Salvage. And there was a Buddha. And she had a little friend at school. She was, well, here's about three and a half. She had a little friend at school she was trying to witness to. And we passed that. And all of a sudden as we passed, she turned around and just stuck her tongue out and did her little ears at that Buddha. I said, Christine, she said, Mama, that's a false god. I said, I know it's a false god, but baby, we're at Southeastern Savage. We don't matter. Are you embarrassed? I said, no, I'm not embarrassed. Go ahead, slap him on the head. But just, I'm not going to pay for his broken body. Come on, somebody. See, they made the false god by their hands. And we say, wow, glad we don't do that now. Mm-mm. Brother Joe Pippinger, well, I'm glad, angel. I'm glad that I don't, Keith Red, I don't make an idol with my own hands. Oh, really? What have we bowed down our heart to? Things that were invented a lot by our enemy, our adversary, Lucifer. Lust, pleasure, the things that we do or the things we make with our hands. Sometimes our, our work situations we get involved we make our own God because we make it out of the things that we're fearful of or the things we feel we have to bow down to or the things we think have power on us and he goes on to say can God be compared to an idol that must be placed on a stand so it won't fall down me who covers and sits on the center of the earth I your Abba Father your Creator who never grows weary you can burn that wooden idol in the fire. And God says, to whom will you compare me with? Look up into the heavens. What he's trying to get them to do is to look up. Look up. Look away. Look away from that situation that's looming. Look away from that worry. Look up. Look up and get a vision of him who created the stars. If you're in charge of your life, you have reason to worry. You better worry. But if God is in charge of your life, you have nothing to worry about. 
If your trust is in him, you're okay. You're going to be more than fine. He says, look up. Who else? You know that passage that I love. Counts the stars and calls them by name. And calls them forth to be sure that not one is lost. Who are you to forget? Have you not heard, he says? Have you not seen? All this is from Isaiah 40. That this creator, the ends of the earth, he never goes weary. How can you say your just claim is passed over? Well, I'll say how they can say it because they said it in the book of Ezekiel 37, 11. They said, our bones are dried up. They're just saying we're past relief. You ever felt like your bones are dried up? You ever felt like a... I got, I got no more hope for that thing. I got no more strength for that job. I got no more wisdom. Oh, God. You ever feel like you come to the end of your wisdom? Okay, I'm the only one. Sorry, Lord. Just deal with me and let all the wise ones walk and go forth. That you just get to the point. I've come to the end of my resources, my cute ideas. You know what? I read something beautiful in a book I'm reading, Commanding Your Morning. I've done decorations out of it for years. I went back to read it. I Cindy Trim, and she talks about a, a business person that was failing, a minister, but had three or four businesses. They were just failing. And they just started doing these simple things of commanding every morning, let there be light. They just saved themselves. Let there be light in my spirit. Let there be light in my heart. Let there be light of creativity to me. Let there be... Because you see, other gods can't do what our God did. Our God... The first words he ever spoke out of his mouth was, let there be, let there be, let there be, let there be light. So God, let there be light in my spirit. Let there be light in my strength today. Let there be light. Let me shine, Lord, as much as I can shine in the workplace to come up with ideas, entrepreneurship, um, um, business venues, things I've never seen. I don't care how many times I've tried. I don't care how many times this is tried before. You see, that was the problem with the people in Babylon. They had tried and tried, but God is saying, you know what? It was only a matter of time. Someone say, it's only a matter of time. What did God say to Ezekiel when he said, like Isaiah 40 people said, bones are dried up. And and Ezekiel said, what should I say? And God said, command those bones to, command those bones to, command those bones to, When was the last time, instead of trying to be good, you just said live, live. Rhonda Davis, today you're going to live. You're going to live in light today, Rhonda. I command you. So that sounds silly. Hey, get in a room. That's what I do. After I do my devotions and I pray, I speak over myself. And I declare the word of the Lord over myself. That today, light will come to me. And I'm going to tell you, does it make a difference? In a matter of time, it does. But I'm going to tell you something. When I don't, it makes a big difference. When I stay out of that place of his word and I stay out, oh, you're a pastor. Oh, I'm listening to the word all the time. I'm talking about that time of just getting the word in me and declaring over my children. My children shall be blessed. My children shall, my grandchildren shall be blessed. They're not going to follow the curse of their grandfathers or their daddies or their uncles. They're not going to be a generation that's unfaithful. My son-in-law will be faithful. My daughters to come, my son-in-law to come. They are going to be faithful and awesome people. They're going to walk in the light and the glory of the Lord. We could speak that over our children. We could speak that over our grandchildren, that they will be blessed, that God will use their gifts and their talents, their strong will. I used to pray over Courtney's strong 
will. God, use it to bring nations. And I believe it will because that child's got some perseverance. We should speak life and say, I speak today that Todd Haggard will walk in life and light. Now, if Todd falls, he's not going to fall. But if something happens, and you know what I'm saying, he loses 25 cents out of his pocket. Let's just go with that. You know, he's going to say, oh, that didn't help. You've got to stay at it until you see a difference. Everything you do, come on, people. Everything you do is a process. It's only a matter of time. They said, live. Jeremiah, that verse that we all quote, we used to sing in the early days when I led worship. We used to sing, ah, Lord God, don't try to play it. Josh, I'll just freak out. Ah, Lord God, thou hast made the heavens, you remember, and the earth by thy great power. Nothing is too difficult for thee. It kind of sounded like that, too. That was back in the Jewish, Jewish songs. And I had long wigs, and it was just a lot of fun. People, you missed the fun days, people. No, I'm kidding. Funner days are coming, trust me. Trust me, it was hilarious, kind of ridiculous fun. But you know, that we love to quote that, Oh, Lord God, there is nothing too difficult for thee. You know when Jeremiah said that? When he was in prison. And God said, buy a piece of land in this land that I'm fixing to destroy. Go out and spend the last dollar you got on that piece of land and have your relative put the pot in the earth with the, tea, the deed to the land. Because the Lord God says that He is bringing His people back into this land. They'll flourish. The Messiah will be born in this country and all great things. And in prison, Jeremiah lifts up his voice after God just told him the most ridiculous faith thing ever. He says, Oh, Lord God, Thou hast made the heavens and the earth. Nothing is too difficult for thee. We need to be that kind of people to not forget our story. It's only a matter of time. And speak and act like the people of God. So we just go on. It says there's no searching of his understanding. I'm coming to the end now. No searching. I love, I love it. I don't have to search for his understanding. Don't you love that, Jackie? I mean, my God, I have to search my own understanding. Sometimes anybody else with me? And I'm searching for everything I can't find right now. Pastor Hank and I, we're on a roll. We've hid things so good we can't find our own selves. And uh, when Courtney moved out and I'm trying to rearrange things, I'm finding it's just, it just getting to be ridiculous. And Pastor Hank, be brave, Rhonda. Throw it away, baby. Throw it away. I'm like, but we need it. Throw it away. Um, I'm searching for things. I'm searching for myself. I'm searching for people who will love me. I'm saying all this kind of rhetorically speaking here. But I love that I don't have to search. Hallelujah. For his understanding. Psalms 139 says, not only does he know when I stand up and I sit down. He saw me when I was formed in Loretta Joyce Giles' womb back in the day. But it says he understands my thoughts afar off. I got many of those. Anybody else? <laughs> Come on. I mean, thoughts afar off. Thoughts I don't want anybody to know I got. Come on. He understands those. He remembers that we are just dust, the scripture says. And he comes to bring us strength and help. He understands me. And he understands you and you're about opposite from me. He understands pastor and all of his rock music and all of my BG music. He understands both of us. And he understands all of our worship music that goes forth from our house. He understands you highly driven people and you laid back people. Come on, somebody say amen. He understands you that are OCD and want everything clean. And the rest of us who just want to live the world in a fancy. Come on. He understands us. And he doesn't try to make me Kelly. Kelly's an awesome woman of God. He doesn't try to make me Sherry. Sherry's an awesome woman of God. When I look around and I don't understand why I'm not like some people, I just have to speak to myself. And I say, self, God understands you. You're fearfully and wonderfully. Sometimes there's a fear. You're a fear and a wonder. But you know what? God made you. 
and your creator knows everything. It's only a matter of time till you become everything God wants you to be. And the light breaks forth of every dark place in you, Rhonda Davis. And you say that. Psalms 25 and 1, before we get to close my illustration. To you, O oh Lord, I put my trust. No one who puts their trust in you will be disgraced. I can trust him because he understands me. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. And he loves me. He loved those people living in Babylon. He then gets into the place about season. And this is where I want to close with one of my favorite thoughts about seasons. I, I would love to take this someday. And I don't know. I'm going to make something out of it. When the light gets in me big enough and I get disciplined big enough. Hello. And stop decluttering my house and working on books and stuff. Um, but here's the deal. David Hubbard, one of the greatest Old Testament scholars, penned these words about Isaiah 40. You know, we say, they, you know, we're going to soar with eagles. We're going to run and not be weary. We're going to walk and not faint. He said, but we live that one life at a time, one line at a time. You see, that's why seasons are, are about to change. We're in summer. Everyone say summer. Summer, you get a little bit of sun, but it's not winter. It's not spring. It's not fall. To me, every one of those centers has, seasons has beauty. I know, don't hate me. Seasons, uh, summer's my least favorite, except I can get a little bit of sun when I walk on the greenway. But, uh, you know, every season has something. And every one of those things are seasons. There is seasons when you will soar. Seasons when everything is going your way. Seasons when, woo, you bake a cake and it steps right up. Come on, somebody. You go to fix your car. You just reach your hand out there. You touch the oil and it goes boom, 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 boom. You're like, man, I didn't know I was good. You know, seasons when you're soaring. Everyone say soaring. It's okay. We can have fun this last moment. Soaring. When things are just easy. You're like an ice skater. You know, I never could ice skate. I was, a, I was a real ice skater. Now, I could roller skate. Pastor Hank said he knocked everybody down. But, you know, you know just, you're just soaring. Things are easy. You know, you know, there's temptation to sin, but you're like, whoo, on out the door. You know, everything's easy. You get up. Your relationship's easy. Your children are acting like cherubims. Come on, somebody. It's just soaring. You just feel like the Spirit's with you. And, yes, those seasons are awesome. And you will soar. You not, might not be soaring right now, but you will soar again. It's only a matter of time. Everyone say, it's only a matter of time. Soaring. Soaring is the easy. Eagles don't even have to flap. The wind just catches them and they go up. The wind of the Spirit just catches you and everything works. I mean, you get someone a room, you get someone a word in the lobby and they just fall out there and people have to carry them out. And, and you know, you're Benny Hinn's new assistant. Come on, somebody. You know, you're just soaring. You're soaring. Things are easy when you're soaring. Relationships are great. I love you and you love me. We are a big God's family. I just love all of you. You look so good. You know, you just, you can get along with anybody. You feel like you can get along with the devil if he were to come with you. Come on, somebody, but you know that's not right. But you just can get along with everybody. You just love everybody. People flip you off and you just wave a God bless you to them on the road. Come on. Everyone say soaring. Soaring is a whole lot of fun, but you're not always soaring. You're not always soaring. And that other thing that's different than soaring is running. Everyone say running. Now you'll run and not be weary. Now running is hard. Everyone say hard. I used to go to a gym. I don't now. I, I don't run anymore. In fact, my knees hurt so bad sometimes I can't walk. But it's just a 53 wearing too many heels. Like, but when we used to run, all the women would be on the treadmills. And, you know, some, some, some cracked man would walk in and think it was real funny. He'd say, who let the dogs out? Because <laughs> you were making so much noise. I mean, the treadmills are pounding. They're, all these over 50 women are breathing so hard we could probably take up the oxygen of the universe. Everyone say, running is hard. Running's hard. And there's seasons in your life where it's hard. 
They got double on you at work, but you're getting paid less. Can I get an amen? You're keeping your kids and your grandkids. You're, I'm just trying to come up with examples. The relationship's hard. I mean, the person you were soaring with yesterday, you wonder what in the heck happened to you? Because we ain't not soaring no more. Your children are not acting like cherubims anymore. But you're wondering what their real DNA might be and if you should have a test on them. I don't mean your husband's not your baby daddy. I mean like, are they like some alien planet or something? Because running is hard. Everyone say hard. It's hard work. But listen to me. When you're in a season where you're running, you usually end up sitting at church by someone that's soaring. You usually go on a trip with someone that's soaring. And all they can talk about, oh, God is good. A million dollars just rained down from the sky. And you're thinking, I don't have a nickel to buy a piece of pie. Come on, someone. I mean, running is hard. But when you're, when you're in a season of running, don't hate the soarers. And don't give up. Because guess what? It's only a matter of time. And your season will change. And you'll be soaring. And you'll be flying. And you'll be... I mean, just think what the world would be if everybody was in one season at one time. We'd hate each other. And listen, when you're soaring, don't get proudful. When you're soaring, don't get hateful. When you're soaring, don't get prideful. Walk in the joy and channel that strength of the Spirit to pray. I'm serious about this. Because there's runners that are working so hard. They're just barely making it in their front door. They're so tired. They look at their wife, their children, or their own ceiling and say, I can't do this tomorrow. Anybody else? I can't do this. It's too hard. I'm exhausted. This is too hard. I can't work that job. It seems like Joe Blow over there, he's got a job. I mean, what does he do with his job? He just puts cream on a donut. How hard can that be? Come on, someone. I mean, am I the only person that does that? How hard can that job be? I mean, the people at talk will be a bit easier than me. Don't think that, people. They don't. But you begin to wonder that because you're in a hard season. But in a hard season, you must never think that God has forgotten you because he has not. Give God a hand clap of praise. And I'll try to wrap this up with a third one. You are not forgotten. And then there's the last one, and we'll end. The walking and not fainting season. That's a really hard season. That's the season we'll spend the less time on because it's uncomfortable. It means you got through the day, but you don't even know how you got through the day. All you remember is laying your head on the bed and maybe looking at your spouse, looking at your ceiling, looking at your own hand, whatever, looking at your dog, your kitten, and saying, well, I survived. I made it today. I don't think I did any good today. I can't remember anybody I helped today. God, I'm just barely making it. I'm just barely walking and not fainting. I'm telling you, God, I'm just barely keeping myself from passing out. But God, I thank you as your son or your daughter that I'm still alive. And I thank you that I know that I still belong to you. Your word says I belong to you. Hold me in the very palm of your hand. My walls are ever before you. You cannot forget me. You see, if you let the enemy of your faith creep in in the season that you are walking and not fainting and lie to you and tell you he's forgotten that God's forgotten you. If you're like Babylon, you say my, my, my case is forgotten by God. Then God's going to say back to you, have you not heard? Have you not seen that the creator of the ends of the earth, he knows you by name. He's your Abba Father. He never grows weary. He has not forgotten you. It's only a matter of time the season will change you will enter a soaring season the wind will pick up you will have the things you're believing for and God will bless you someone give God a hand clap of praise and let me say this we just celebrated Normandy so let me tell you one of my favorite illustrations that some of you heard recently in November of that fateful year 70 years ago those great generals went 
and to Normandy, the allies, generals not even, men of all different kinds. Paul Vernon was among them, Chris's dad, granddad. They went in there and they took just a small beachhead of territory. On that day, no one thought that they were winning. No one thought they were soaring, but it was only a matter of time. They took a little piece of land. They were generals. The president said, soldiers, you're about to embark upon a great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of all loving people everywhere march with you, with our allies. Do not be afraid. We are gaining ground. Your task will not be an easy one. But this is the year. This is the time. The United Nations have inflicted upon Nazi Germany and they are losing front. I have confidence in your courage. I'm abbreviating. Your devotion and your skill. We will accept nothing less than full. Everyone say full victory. And then General Eisenhower prior to that said, God bless you and may we beseech the blessings. And this is why they won. Of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. I want to tell you, when those soldiers went into Normandy and took that, it didn't feel like they were soaring. They were throwing up. You've seen it on movies. It was horrible. They had to go underwater. They had to go across turbulent waters. They took a small piece of land. At the end of the day, it looked like nothing had changed. Adolf Hitler was still ruling with his blue-eyed, frenzy Nazi self. The Jews were being tortured in concentration camps. Europe was being almost undertaken or overtaken by Adolf Hitler. But you see, at the end of the day, everything had changed because when they gained that little ground, they cracked the door open to a little bit of light coming through for the Allies to march through. And when they cracked that door, it was only a matter of time till victory in Europe, VE, was declared, to VJ was declared, and Japan was freed, Europe was freed, and Adolf Hitler the beast was brought to his death as every beast will ever be brought and victory was declared for American allies and hundreds of Jews were set free to be God's people you see in that moment they didn't know it was only a matter of time to victory give God a praise in this house I want you to stand I want to say one more thing I'm gonna pray over you let me say to you the same thing happened when a baby was born in Bethlehem that the shepherds knew the wise men ended up knowing but no one knew that a door had been cracked open that a light had been brought into the universe it looked like just like a little baby but it was not a baby that was normal it was the son of almighty God people wondered about him some days he was not soaring he was walking with a cross on his back he was walking and not fainting so he could liberate you and I it was only a matter of time you see there was days he was soaring when he was casting out devils and the multitude was pressing into him but there was days he was running hard away from his accusers walking from town to town being called Beelzebub being called everything but who he was the son of almighty God but he kept going through season after season after season and then when he was on Calvary it looked like the enemy had won he went into the grave the empty tomb was there and only two women knew that the tomb was empty but it was was only a matter of time till he was resurrected to the Father's right hand. It was only a matter of time where he stands today. Come on and give him praise as King of kings and Lord of lords. Let me tell you today, it's only a matter of time for a prayer of you. Seasons come and go. Seasons change. Your season will change. You will soar again. Hold on to what God preached 
to his people in Isaiah 40 that he preached to you this morning. Don't forget. Have you forgotten? He's the creator. Have you forgotten? You see, listen, every time you engage in battle, a door opens and light comes through. Every time you resist sin, a door opens. Every time you proclaim the gospel, you may not see the results, but you're opening the door. Every time you give a portion of your resources for the spread of the kingdom, every time you offer a cold water in Jesus' name, speaking is an analogy, offering anything in Jesus' name. Every time you wait on the Lord for the season to change and stay faithful where you are, what you're doing, whether you're soaring, running, or walking, help me, sir. The darkness gets pushed back a little bit more. The light gets a little stronger. And one day, liberation will come. And one day, D-Day has already happened for us as believers. Calvary has already been there. Your season will change. Keep walking. Keep soaring. Keep running. Hear the words of God to the people in Isaiah 40 and to you. Your Creator, He is knows the ends of the earth. He never faints. He never grows weary. And you will soar. The end of that, He was saying you don't feel like it now but you will give him one more praise and we're going to pray over you and after we do I'm going to bless you and dismiss you after I pray for you and you're just going to get your offering ready you're going to bring it on your way out because you're people who are faithful you know how to do it okay and you're going to come tonight and help us bless this baby and hopefully we can talk Matt Decker to wearing a blindfold and trying to diaper a baby without seeing it we'll see a baby doll okay here we go here we go everyone just Close your eyes just for a moment. I want, as all eyes are closed, I'm going to close mine too. Sound men, media men, I want nobody watching. I don't know where you are today or what you need from Him. Maybe your season is one that it's running so hard. You're like, God, I'm out of breath. God, I don't know how much I can do this anymore. Just keeping dinner on the table. Just trying to keep the family going. Maybe that's where you are. Or you're in a job. It's just really hard. You're ready to see and be encouraged. It's only a matter of time. As every eye is closed, if, if that's your season, I'm going to do all three. You may see yourself too. I just want you to lift your hand. I'm not looking. It's just between you and God. If you feel like you're in that season, and then put it down. No one's watching. If you're in that season of walking and not faint, and you say, I'll just be honest with you, Pastor Rhonda, God, I'll be honest with you. It's a really incredibly hard season. I know Paul said to be content in every situation, every state. I'm holding on to that word, but I'm telling you, this is a hard season. I'm sometimes just getting through the day walking and not fainting. Just putting my head on the bed and thinking, I made it today. I survived. If that shoe is, no one's looking, not even me. Just lift your hand to the Lord and let him know. And then put it down. And this morning, if you're in that soaring season, you just feel like the winds in your spirit and things are going straight. And we, we have a little bit of soaring in every season. I do believe there's windows in every season that God gives you a window of soaring. Then you can lift your hand too as eyes are closed and put it down. Now let's all just lift our hands to the Lord right now. Let me pray of you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, I just welcome you right now. I welcome you, sir. I welcome you, sir, into our minds, our spirits, our hearts, our families. Lord, I just pray today that wherever each of us are, that you would help us to locate ourselves. And God, the best thing we can do with this word is to walk this word out. To remember you're the creator of the ends of the earth. If we have bowed before foreign gods, if we have wrestled to serve things around us, God, we want to lay those down today. We pray those foreign gods would bow in your presence. We pray that they would bow, God, that you would help us 
to lay those foreign gods down, whatever it might be, those wannabe gods. Lord Jesus, as we lift this hand, we lift it to you, lifting our eyes up to you, whether closed or whatever, just to say you're our hope, Lord. We lift our eyes to you, Lord. You are our help. We praise you today, Lord Jesus, that if we're in a soaring season, that you're with us and you've not forgotten us. If we're in an easy season, help us to remember those who are not. Instead of maybe making a pedestal, a platform of our soaring, let us make a platform of ministering to those who are not soaring today. God, let our eyes and our hearts and our, our, our very spirits be open to those who are hurting so badly in our workplace and our families. God, let us use the ease season to help those in the troubled season season. Help us to use every resource of soaring for your glory for those who are walking and barely holding on. I pray double strength in the name of Jesus. Father, I praise you that you are their strength and you are their joy. I thank you you are their peace at night when they put their head to the pillow. I speak and declare that you are strengthening their bodies. You are strengthening their minds. You are strengthening their resolve. God, that you are letting light be into any darkness around them. Whatever is double hard, whatever seems hopeless, whatever is taking the breath out of them. I speak live. Let them live, Lord. Let them live in joy and in peace and overcoming faith, Father. Strengthen them, God. Ease their load. Ease their spirit. Ease their mind in the name of Jesus. And I pray for those who are running, those who things are double hard, those who just feel like they get up and they go till midnight. They're running. They're running. It's hard to keep things going. I pray, Father, for supernatural strength. You said in Habakkuk 3, the Lord God is my strength, my personal bravery, my invincible army. The Lord of hosts is his name. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer that I can walk, not, not run or stand still, but walk upon my places of trouble, suffering, and responsibility. Lord, I thank you for making their feet light like lightning, God, and that they would run with the strength of the Lord God Almighty upon them. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into every situation in Jesus' name. And the church says, Amen and amen. Now give God one last praise before we go today. Come on. Somebody just give God a shout of praise.